You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Hawkeye Nation, and welcome back to a Wednesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today, and we have a big game tonight. Men's basketball takes on Rutgers in a ranked battle that Iowa desperately needs to win, and thankfully we have some good news. It sounds like C.J. Frederick is likely going to be playing in this game, so we're going to be covering all that on the show today. Also, the men's wrestling team has paused all activities due to COVID, so we need to talk about that as well. But before we get into any of that, please make sure you like, review, and subscribe if you love this episode. Give us that five-star review and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With that being said, let's hop into our show, though. Starting with the wrestling squad. So, after beating Purdue, after beating Ohio State, and up next with a big matchup against a ranked Penn State squad, one of the best squads in the nation wrestling-wise, Iowa has officially put the whole team on pause. And that is a bit of a concern. I've heard different national pundits say basically the only thing that could stop the Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling squad from winning a national title is COVID itself. And it seems like it seems like they're really taking an abundance of caution. Not necessarily that they are over the rules or over the limit per se, but trying to make sure they don't have an outbreak that could potentially derail their entire season. Now it's important to note that they already have multiple team members in, you know, uh, the COVID protocol. They have two All-Americans in the protocol. Also, uh, head coach Tom Brands as well. He is also in COVID protocol, doing well as far as you know. As far as we know, at this point, it seems like he's asymptomatic, which is fantastic. But what does this mean for the season? Honestly, we're not sure at this point. It depends on how well Iowa rebounds from this. Um, typically, if you are testing positive for COVID, you have to sit out 17 days under the Big Ten protocols. Um, at this point, depending on who has tested positive, that would mean that Iowa would possibly miss their matchup against Northwestern on February 19th, and they would also miss their matchup with Wisconsin on February 21st. Now, that's projecting a few days out there, um, but again, also depending on how big that outbreak is or you know, if it is just out of an abundance of caution trying to make sure that they don't have a bigger issue um, with everything kind of going on. It does sound like they are trying to reschedule that Penn State match, but why this could be concerning is that with a shortened season, the Big Ten championships are right around the corner less than a month away. Way. You have to worry about obviously conditioning, um, where they are considering they've only had a few matches. Now I'm not as worried about that, but mostly the conditioning piece. Um, you know, given the fact that getting back from COVID can be difficult. Obviously, wrestlers need to have an intense amount of stamina to be able to go for that long on the mat. That could be an issue as Iowa gets into postseason play with wrestling-wise. Um, so that's something to watch out for, something that I am concerned about. And obviously, the biggest thing is wish the best for these wrestlers. Hope they can get healthy um, as quickly as possible and no major issues from there. Also, along the lines of not necessarily going to the basketball talk, football-wise, Iowa has lost offensive line coach Tim Polisek. I know there were some talks about losing Derek Foster to the Chargers running back coach Derek Foster. That has not been official yet, but Tim Polisek, to Wyoming as the offensive coordinator um, has mostly been made official by uh, some you know credible sources. And to me, I'm actually really a little bit concerned about this. I don't understand why he decided to take that role. I know he has connections um, with the coach at Wyoming now, but at NDSU, he was an offensive coordinator and he decided to go to Iowa to become an offensive line coach. Moving to offensive coordinator at Wyoming doesn't really seem like a big deal to me. 
that's not really a promotion. You're going to a school where no one's going to really notice you. And maybe Wyoming has a halfway decent season. They win six, seven games. But Wyoming is not a school that could even really get hot at one point and have a national breakout, you know, a big breakout year and win 11, 12 games. So to me, I don't understand why you go. Maybe he just misses being an offensive coordinator. Maybe he just wanted more responsibility. But you're leaving an offensive line program at Iowa that has developed talent, um, you know, across the board for since Kirk Ferentz has been the head coach and a team that has a solid offense put together. There are opportunities to take from Iowa to go on to bigger opportunities, but going to Wyoming seems like a lateral move, if not a backward step, in my opinion. So interesting to me. I'm not sure how that's going to impact the offensive line at this point. Obviously, with Brian Ferentz there, Kirk Ferentz, I'm not as concerned about the coaching of the offensive line. They are going to be coached up. That is not a concern for me. It'll be interesting to see who Iowa does decide to replace, though, on that offensive line. Tim Polisic, obviously a big recruiter as well for offensive linemen coming into Iowa. And that, that can't be understated. They've done a pretty good job of drawing in not just, you know, big old guys from Iowa, but four-star recruits from around the country. They've been a solid job of bringing in those guys as well. So that's something interesting that I want to keep on the lookout for when Iowa starts to begin that coaching search. Obviously, they'll need to try to get a running backs coach as well if Derek Foster does ultimately leave. Also, this is not Iowa, but this is Iowa Hawkeye related, and that is the Iowa State Cyclones had officially extended Matt Campbell for a very, very long time, and that's a bit concerning to me. I think there's a couple of things or a couple of reasons why that's concerning to me. First and foremost, Matt Campbell has done a phenomenal job of building the Iowa State program. No one can deny that. He has done a great job of building that program to be a contender. And it does make it tough for Iowa because when Iowa State's a contender, it does make it tough from a recruiting standpoint in the state of Iowa. Whereas previously, unless you were super devoted to agriculture or you grew up a Iowa State fan, you were not going to Iowa State. Now now, I guess you could say there's more of a pull for players who maybe aren't as on the fence, right? So if you're if you're not an Iowa State fan or not an Iowa fan, you're just a football fan, there's not as much pull to going to Iowa because both teams are very good. You can get a similar level of winning and coaching at both both places. I'm not saying Matt Campbell is the same level of coach as Kirk Ferentz, but what he has done with you know relatively little in such a short amount of time is truly impressive, especially after this last season. And they're returning a lot of players next year, a lot of starters. They're going to be a very good team next year as well. So recruiting-wise, this is huge for Iowa State, and it's definitely a concern for Iowa. This also means that Cyhawk rivalry is going to be even more intense going forward, whereas in the past years, Iowa is clearly the superior team. Iowa State does occasionally put together a good football game and they do win that game now it's going to be a very evenly matched game on the flip side of that it gives Iowa a quality win in non-conference play whereas in past years playing Iowa State was really a lose-lose if you beat them no one cares if you lose them you're out of the national title conversation instantly because Iowa State was terrible so there's some good there there's definitely some bad there from a recruiting standpoint it'll be interesting to see how Iowa continues to handle the recruiting battle in state over the next couple years I know Iowa State has already gotten a somewhat head start on a few guys in that 2022 class Iowa getting Aaron 
Graves, but Iowa State locking up a few other guys from Iowa. So that'll be fun to watch as well and see how Kirk Ferentz and his squad, you know, continues to battle for those in-state kids and hopefully win those in-state kids against Iowa State. Coming up on segment number two, though, we're going to get into our basketball talk. Fran McCaffrey spoke to the media. We're going to give some some clips of that and talk a little bit about what he said and how, you know, what it kind of means going forward. We're also going to talk about the Iowa Rutgers game taking place tonight and what to watch out for in that contest. Before we get into any of that, though, you know I got to tell you about the most delicious protein bar on the market today, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, and the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. My favorite flavors are mint brownie, salted caramel, and cookies and cream. But not only is the, the taste just phenomenal, what really draws me to the bars is how healthy they are and how good they are for you. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Let me give you one example. Like I said, one of my favorite flavors is cookies and cream. That that protein bar that tastes like a candy bar comes in a nice size package, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. It's perfect for the health conscious man or woman. If you want to get something for either a post-workout snack or even just a midday snack, I honestly eat them for breakfast. I think it's a great way to start my day with a nice tall glass of cold milk. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN because we got a fantastic deal for you at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast at. And back to Iowa Hawkeye basketball talk. Again, I know it's been tough. We've talked a lot about Iowa basketball the last two days. If you haven't checked out those shows, I highly recommend you do it. We dived a bit more into the defense of Iowa and the Fran fade yesterday. We also talked about, you know, the game beat, you know, losing to Indiana, what that meant on Monday and kind of where Iowa basketball can go from here. But this is an opportunity to turn it around. They need to turn it around. And it sounds like CJ Frederick is going to be available to play. Now, again, it's on a day-to-day basis. Uh, sounds like his plantar fasciitis, which is a tricky thing to deal with, but <sighs> we got to do it. And, it's tough. Uh, that is a very difficult injury. It's tough to understand how you can play on that, you know, what you're going to be ready for any given day. And it sounds like they truly just don't know for CJ Frederick whether or not he's going to be able to go day in and day out. When Fran McCaffrey says day to day, he truly means day to day. So tough to understand kind of where we, you know, what kind of play we can get from him. But Chad Lystico did a fantastic job of breaking this down. He actually wrote an article and I highly recommend from a written standpoint, if you aren't listening or, you know, reading his material, I highly recommend you do that. Chad Lystico is a fantastic, phenomenal writer covering the Iowa Hawkeyes. He did a great breakdown. I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of his breakdown. I highly recommend you go check out his article. But he basically said when TJ Frederick is out, there are clear discrepancies in Iowa's offense. Luka Garza doesn't get doesn't have nearly as great of shooting performances because defenders can triple team him down low. For example, if Connor McCaffrey's on the court, he passes into Luka Garza. The defender of Connor McCaffrey is typically going to leave Connor wide open because they know Connor cannot shoot the ball very well and they're going to go attack Luka Garza. That triple teams him. Now when CJ Frederick is on the floor you cannot leave him because a wide open CJ Frederick is going to knock down three point shots at a 50% clip which you cannot allow to do. So it does hurt a bit. Um, I would expect given Iowa does have multiple shooters from the perimeter that they wouldn't have that big of an issue but it clearly is an issue. 
When TJ Frederick plays, Iowa's 29-9. When he doesn't play, they are 4-8. He's been injured over his career. He's had injuries last year. He's out a couple games. So this has been something we've experienced before, and it clearly is impacting the Iowa Hawkeyes. Their offense hasn't been doing as well. Now, granted, they are still the number one most efficient offense in the NCAA, but they are still not doing as well as we saw them do prior to the C.J. Frederick injury. Also, C.J. Frederick does bring stuff to the defensive side of the ball. I talked about this on yesterday's show. Frederick is one of the better on-ball defenders for Iowa, and the communication and the the reliability is there. They know where he's going to be at all times, so the the three-point shooting for other teams does go up when C.J. Frederick is not they're not starting and that clearly can you know we can see that happening over the last five games where other teams are really dominating Iowa from the perimeter and Iowa not shooting as well from the perimeter either so you need guys like Joe Wieskamp to step up you need a Connor McCaffrey to knock down enough shots to keep the defense honest obviously Jordan Bohannon just keeps shooting like he's been doing um, for the most part phenomenal shooter and you know he has a couple slumps here and there but every guy does but that's what the impact of CJ Frederick is so if CJ Frederick can play and he's healthy. That's a big thing because we saw Michigan State. He tried playing, but he wasn't healthy enough. He wasn't able to bring it the way we typically seen C.J. Frederick bring it. That is going to be huge as they take on a Rutgers team who is really trending upwards right now. They dropped six of seven. They've now won four straight. They beat Indiana 74 to 70. They beat Michigan State 67 to 37. They beat Northwestern 64 to 56 and Minnesota 76 to 72. When asked What has changed for Rutgers? Fran McCaffrey gave a very enlightening answer. Here's what he had to say. He said, They shuffled the deck with the starting lineup. They put Geo back with the ball and put McConnell in there. At the start of the season, they weren't even sure McConnell was going to play. Actually, he wasn't going to play. He's a really good player. Jacob Young is playing extremely well. He's just coming off the bench, as is Mathis. So they kind of have seven starters, almost eight if you want to count Cliff. So I think they've settled into their roles now. They've got a really big starting lineup. Miles Johnson is playing as well as anybody in the country, as is Geo Baker. I remember at the beginning of the year, he was injured, and he started playing, and he kind of wasn't himself. Well, he's himself now, and he's one of the elite players in the country. And I looked up the statistics for Geo Baker, who's been at Rutgers for what seems like a lifetime, similar to Jordan Bohannon on the Iowa side. Geo Baker is a phenomenal player, but in the pre the first 10 games of the season, he only shot 46% or better from the field three out of 10 times. One of those times was versus Iowa where he shot 60%. In the last four games, he shot over 46% every single time. And he's also hit nine of his 19 threes in the last four games as, a, you know, as opposed to 10 in the previous 10. So I'm um, doing a much better job offensively. Sounds like with the ball in his hands, Geo Baker has been a little bit more dangerous. And it sounds like he's also gotten healthier as well. Fran also mentioned how big this lineup is. That lineup has caused Iowa a lot of problems in the past. They do a good job of getting their arms in passing lanes. They're very physical. They're very aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. They're willing to be tougher than Iowa if needed. And we saw in the previous game where Iowa did win, it was a slugfest. It was such a battle. Iowa grinded to that win. It was a really marquee win for Iowa considering what they were dealing with. Connor McCaffrey injured. Joe Toussaint injured. We saw a lot of players get key minutes that they haven't gotten as much in the past the bench was clutch here we look at Aaron Ullis he had 165 offensive rating tops in the game Keegan Murray played 22 minutes and had the second highest offensive rating of 156 both true freshmen again Ullis playing those 14 minutes that was clutch considering we had both Connor McCaffrey and Joe Toussaint struggling a little bit in that game this game is going to be huge though we're going to continue breaking this down on segment number three so that's coming up in just a few short minutes I do got to tell you about 
one other amazing place you got to go check out, especially if you like putting a little extra money in your pocket. And I'm talking about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can possibly imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can actually get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Why would you sit on the sidelines when you can put money in your pocket by easily going to betonline.ag? Use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus upon your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 is mercifully over and it is time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, NBA, and NHL locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast at. And wrapping up segment number three, we're going to continue our discussion about this game tonight, Iowa versus Rutgers. And it is going to be a battle. It is going to be a slugfest at Carver. Iowa desperately needs to win this game. They've lost four of the last five. I know having C.J. Frederick out is huge, but they ultimately still need to be able to get back on track. A team that has Final Four aspirations should not be struggling to an Indiana squad, even with out C.J. Frederick. There was a glimpse of hope, though, and I, I saw this uh, you know, from Chad Lysico, again, a fantastic writer. He mentioned this, and I looked up the statistics behind it. Back when Iowa went to the Final Four, they were without one key player that for a big, big chunk of the season. And what happened was Iowa started off 10-0. They then lost a good chunk of games. All right. They lost, I believe, seven or eight of their next 15. They still managed to go to the final four. They dropped eight of their 15. They fell to 17 and eight. They got, you know, they got the guy back and they ultimately went to the final four. So having CJ Frederick healthy is more important than anything else. And that was, that's what Fran McCaffrey has been talking about so often is they need CJ Frederick back for the long run. Now they also need to be able to grind out a few wins and they're coming up with a very tough test of games. The next three games they need to win. Then they get uh, you know, a couple games against Wisconsin. They get Michigan, Ohio State, which is trending very high up right now. Ohio State looking like one of the best teams in the country as of right now. Iowa needs to get this W against CJ Frederick going to be available for this game as far as we know. Now, the betonline.ag odds for this game to, tonight, uh, it, it's going to be a tough one to bet on because you got to really trust Iowa in this game. Do you trust Iowa? That's really what it's going to come down to. Iowa currently favored by 6.5 points at home, the over-under at 151.5 points. Now, whether or not you want to take that is up to you. I'm personally staying away from this game. I don't know what we're going to get out of C.J. Frederick. Again, we saw him play against Michigan State, and I he just wasn't the same. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't able to do what we typically seen C.J. do. Rutgers is a very strong defensive team. And the last time they played Rutgers, it was 77-75. to 75. So they broke that 150-point mark, that 151-point mark. I truly think we're probably going to get a very similar game. I don't think Iowa's going to beat them by 6.5 points. I do think it's going to teeter right around that 151 mark, so I'm probably staying away from that over-under. But let me give you a little bit more details about this game. 
when we look at, and this is the best part, as you get deeper into Big Ten season, you start looking at the previous games they played against this team. The last time, time Iowa played Rutgers, Rutgers shot pretty well from three, 39%. They were 9 of 23. Iowa, meanwhile, only shot 18 threes. They were 7 of 18, also shooting 39%. Rutgers out-rebounded Iowa 16 to 11 offensively. Iowa did have more defensive rebounds, 29 to 23, but a lot of that is going to be because Rutgers took 10 more shots in Iowa. Iowa just didn't play the same kind of game we typically have seen them play. They turned the ball over 15 times compared to Rutgers 10. Typically, Iowa's a better team from a turnover perspective. The one difference that kind of changed the course of this game was the fact that Rutgers had 21 fouls compared to 13 from Iowa. And this is also, again, that game where we saw a lot of minutes being played by key bench players. This is where we start talking about, wow, Iowa's so deep. And then we get into, you know, the Illinois game and that kind of stuff. And Iowa's not playing there's the reserves as much, and now we're questioning why not. It's because we go back to the Rutgers game and what they were able to do from a reserve perspective, getting Iowa leads, keeping leads for the Hawks against Rutgers. That was huge. But again, it kind of goes both ways. You need to be able to see the flow of the game. You need to be able to understand where Iowa is in that course of action. And Fran McCaffrey needs to do a good job of rotating guys in and out. Now, again, the last couple games, there have been some questions about whether or not he should have rotated guys in or whether or not he should have rotated guys out. That's neither here nor there. Hopefully that is not an issue in this game. And again, this is going to be a huge game. Iowa is currently 10th in net ranking. They have a 3-5 and five quad 1 record. Rutgers is 26. This is a Q1 opportunity for Iowa. And Rutgers is currently 4-5 and five in Q1 opportunities. Iowa would love to make them 4-6. and six. Iowa moving themselves to 4-5 and five if they get that opportunity. When you look at Rutgers, offensively, you, you can't really love what they do. They're not a great 3-point shooting team. They're in a atrocious free throw shooting team. They're 344th in the nation. Three-point shooting, they're 146, shooting 34.2%. But again, in this winning streak they've had, They've shot the ball a lot better. Their key guys, Jacob Young, 18 of 41 from three for 44%. Ron Harper, 33 of 94 for 35%. Ron Harper just doesn't look the most athletic, but he's a phenomenal basketball player. Montez Mathis, 19 of 53 for 36%. And again, Geo Baker, 19 of 63. But in the past couple games, he shot significantly better from three. So that, to me... Those are that's a concern for Iowa since they haven't been able to guard the perimeter that much. However, if I'm Iowa, I'm looking at rotating guys in a lot quicker. I'm looking at being willing to foul these players more often than you typically would. Um, we saw Connor McCaffrey last game get a get a foul because he didn't want to give you know one of the players a wide open look or wide open layup. He wanted to foul and make him go to the free throw line and attempt those shots. You kind of have to do that against Rutgers because you've got to force them to make those free throws and they aren't able to do that. Again, one of the worst teams in the nation shooting free throws. So that's something I'm going to be watching. Um, again, rebounding wise, Iowa has got to win the offensive rebound battle. They cannot allow Rutgers to get multiple second chance opportunities. That's what kills the Hawks. They just aren't able to get those rebounds sometimes and teams capitalize almost it seems like every single time. Again, Rutgers is not a huge three-point shooting team, 283rd in the nation in shot distribution from a three-point perspective. So they're not shooting the three-ball a lot. Against Iowa, they're going to probably take more opportunities to do such a thing. And when Iowa's in that zone, it can hurt them from an offensive rebounding perspective. So I, I personally don't feel like Rutgers' team is overly athletic. They Again, they are very good defensively. They're very aggressive. But they're not overly athletic to the point that Iowa cannot match up on them in man defense. So if Iowa's struggling to guard them from a zone perspective, I'd be interested to see if Iowa Fran McCaffrey puts in some of his bench players 
and has them man up on these guys because I think that could really impact the game in a positive way for the Hawks. That's kind of the things that I'm personally looking for. One other thing Fran McCaffrey had to say, I wanted to make sure I got into this because obviously there's been a lot of questions in regards to the two-foul process. And here's what he had to say about why he keeps players out when they have two fouls. He said, I don't want them to be in any way tentative in the second half. It was unique on Sunday because we had four with two fouls. We had to put Keegan back in, and he came back in and played well. But then I got him out again because I don't want him to get his third because I knew we were going to need him. He ends up fouling out on an interesting call. So I just look at it like this. There's a couple ways to look at it. I felt like our other guys had been playing really well and they could play together, play well together and finish the half and have those guys in the second half play without being concerned and having to get yanked because of foul trouble. I want to be able to have my key guys coming down the stretch. Now, I think any of us could have could have said that. We understood we understand the reason behind his philosophy. Whether or not we agree with it is here nor there. And again, it's always easy to play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game, right? Iowa loses that game. Luka Garza sits for 12 minutes. Could you? Have played him? Should you have played him? Would you have played him? I think knowing the result, you do play Luka Garza. But to the to an extent, Fran McCaffrey's process hasn't been the to the detriment of the team too much. The bench players have responded typically. Now again, in that last game against Indiana, they weren't able to keep it together. It would have been great to have Luka Garza on the court. Now, there is a sequence, there was that sequence late in that first half where Indiana got five quick points. If Luka's in that game, does that change it? I don't know if it does. So I, I don't necessarily agree with Fran McCaffrey's approach. I think you do need to play your All-American center. Um, even if he has those two fouls, you need to trust a smart player like that. But that is at least what Fran McCaffrey is thinking about when he's trying to do that. He does trust his bench players to be able to get things done. On CJ Frederick as well, again, we, he gave some information about this. He truly is day-to-day, but here's what he had to say. He had some very high praise for CJ. He said, he's our best perimeter defender, and he's the best shooter in the Big Ten. So you're going to miss that guy. He's a gamer. He's a late-game player. I hope he plays tomorrow. Our plan is for him to play. We'll see how he does today in practice. And I've, and I've said to you guys, and it's hard for you, you're not at practice, so you can only ask the question. When I say he's legitimately day-to-day, he's legitimately day-to-day. And it's probably going to be like that for the rest of the season. You can keep asking the question, and I'll keep answering it as honestly as I can. I think he's going to play. I hope he plays. But he's only going to play if he feels right. If he's in pain and discomfort and can't go, then he won't go. We'll play somebody else. So again, giving you the answer that we're all asking the question for, but it's just not the answer we obviously want. It would be great to know, hey, CJ Frederick is injured with this. And again, we talked about it. It's plantar fasciitis. CJ Frederick is injured with this. Here's a timetable for his return. It makes it easier to say, okay, if Iowa can get through this stretch, they'll be good once they get CJ back. But because it's so day-to-day, because we're just not sure of the extent of it and how much it's hurting him, that really hurts from a fan perspective to know when is he going to return? Is there hope at the end of the tunnel? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel when they can get one of their best defenders and best shooters back on the court? That remains to be seen. We'll see how CJ Frederick plays in this game if he does get an opportunity to start. And again, this is a very big game for Iowa needing to get back on that winning track. There's an opportunity there. I truly think Iowa can win. I think it's going to be a, a close game. I'm not taking that six and a half points. I think it's going to be more like a two to four point game for the Hawks getting that W against Rutgers at home at Carver. Stay tuned for that. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be breaking down that game, obviously. Um, That's kind of what we got to do, right? Whether it's a win or a loss, we'll be breaking that down on tomorrow's show, so stay tuned for that. And if you like the show, give us that five-star review and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast at and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate the love, the listenership, and and as always, the support. Have a fantastic night, day, morning, excuse me, whatever time it is, and let's go Hawks.